0: Hello, welcome in episode thirteen, Builder versus Buyer. I'm Adam Steiner, and this is a podcast dedicated to bringing builders and buyers together through advice and education. So, first off, let me say a couple quick things here. I was traveling last week, um, and I was unable to record due to some technical difficulties. Actually, the driver caused my new laptop to crash. So, long story, won't bore you with that. But. Um, I had to take a week off from podcasting. It was kind of nice to get to see some friends and family do a little work in Indiana. So I am back at it. Uh, Today we'll be getting into part two of my interview with John Ackley Jelinek. If you missed part one, please go back and listen. That was episode 12. Um, This interview is cut into two pieces, so we'll be jumping right in from where we left off from episode 12. So give it a listen. Let us know what you think. Enjoy you've, you've had this good productive meeting. You feel like you've got a good idea of what this client wants. What do you then include in your first draft set?
1: Yep. I'm um, uh, I said earlier, I'm an AutoCAD guy. I, I learned on AutoCAD. Um, and I just never had it in me to pursue other software. Um, part of that goes back again to the, the clients that I would work with and the learning curve to get a new software. Um, so I'd, I give that apology out front because that work then um, in the software I was using was all in two dimensions. So mm-hmm. I, would, um, I didn't have the capabilities readily to, to start producing three-dimensional models, um, though I could do that further on using another piece of software. So to answer your question, um, my initial first drafts, I would include above-grade living levels. So in the case of a two-story house, there'd be a main floor and a second floor plan, and I would stick with simply a front elevation. Um, so keeping it pretty basic. On occasion, depending on the complexity of the plan, I would, um, I would potentially produce the remaining elevations, um, as I like to say, quick and dirty, just so that I know a house would work. Um, that's yes. one of my big beefs is sometimes seeing plans that frankly are disastrous when actually built. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, I <laughs> often felt that was a, just something, okay, I'm gonna do this, just be certain that this can happen. Um, and part of the reason why I keep those things pretty simple in terms of plans and elevation, those are formats that clients were often most familiar with because that's what they would see on online plan catalogs, um, yeah. as well as because of the way in which I worked, that would actually minimize the amount of revisions that would need to take place should we have, um, frankly, substantial or even minor revisions. You know, all of a sudden now that's just more um, more work to be done to go back and change all elevations, a basement plan. Um, so it's just kind of too early in the process. So right. to, to wrap that up really quick, I actually that is kind of the first phase of my um, my whole design process. Is I would really through even multiple revisions, I would stick just with those plans, front elevation. Then it's the green light. Okay, you like those, um, and I would get sign offs on drawings, and then I would produce the remaining elevations and the basement. And then I get another set of sign-offs before moving to construction documents.
0: Yeah. I think I think from, I mean, we worked together a long, long time ago. And I was mm-hmm. a child when we did. <laughs> uh, but um, our processes are similar. I find a lot of similarities in what I do. Um, I will add, like, so I'm a big believer in, like, quick to iterate. Like, I feel like nothing really happens until something's on paper. Um, so, like you're saying, keeping it light in CAD, uh, keeping the line work light so that, um, you can just get a drawing in front of a client. Like this is what I thought you said to me. Yeah. Um, and then that extracts even more information. And, and so you're getting, you're getting d- more data from the client and that, that you are, it's almost impossible to extract until they see something from you. So I don't want that. I intentionally don't take a long time for that upfront process. I try and get it to them in a week
1: or two, like show off.
0: <laughs> oh, it's odd. <laughs> That's <laughs> Um so so that like we can start iterating um and not really like um because the, the client, if you're spending time i I don't know how much you find this, like the more time you spend, the more time they're iterating without telling you, yeah, um, so that's also another complication, um and then sometimes, depending on the client, I usually do a two d front elevation, but depending on the client if like. That one picture they brought me is a front elevation like they really, really love. Sometimes I'll try to include something color, maybe not a full-blown rendering, but some color, you know, in SketchUp has some shadows on it, um, just to show them that this house is going to look like that picture that they showed me. But that's really only for clients that I feel like that's a very big emotional part of their process. So yeah, yep.
1: Intentionally vary my process sometimes, but I mean, it is what it is. No, it's, that's cool. And I man, I've learned a lot from you, Adam, even in that respect of your ability to, to bring in the, um, ah, it's funny even to say the newest technology since it's decades old, but yeah, you're, I mean, you're doing some great stuff in 3D and i you have helped me a ton even in kind of stretching my boundaries there. So I love that you produce that stuff. Oh, thanks, John. Um How, how do you handle revisions? Yes, Yes. Yes. (laughs) Oh, I, one of my opening statements, I've now I've got too many opening statements. One of my, my statements at our (laughs) our first meeting, people are like, how many, how many meetings does he have? He has all these opening statements. Um, Something I say at our first meeting is, and this is true. I've never gotten it right the first time. Um, So I, I say that to clients, I'm going to guarantee you there's going to be versions of this. And, um, it kind of depends on who the client is, obviously, but also how they came to me. Um, I said earlier, I oftentimes work with clients who are brought to me by builders, and the builder is at the table, so it's kind of a it's a really good working process. And I find those clients tend to um, uh, maybe even be pushed along by their builder a little more quickly than if they were just working independently with me. And so yeah. it's not uncommon in those builder scenarios, um, or maybe even in a builder spec scenario, you know, it might squeeze something out in two, maybe three revisions. Um, I'm a, I'm not opposed to going deeper than that. So it, it wasn't uncommon when I'd work with private clients independently that we might just keep going. Um, my dream really with them is, Hey, this is your dream house. Like, let's get it all right. And so I've had more than one client where I've gotten into the dozen if not dozens of revisions um and frankly at times that's lent itself then to a point where we've all grown frustrated because we can't get there and we scrap it and start over and so um i'm not opposed to that uh so it kind of the answer to your question is it can be as simple as a few revisions but i'm also committed to the process of getting you exactly what you're looking for in the process yeah
0: that's That's really really good, good john
1: how long is
0: your overall process? Like, what expectations do you set with clients? You you know, yeah. when will set to your builder, you'll bid it out and...
1: Yep. Um, you gave me the heads up on this question coming, so I did some, some homework. Um, I think I've told you in the past, Adam, I don't know if the listeners will care, I try to keep pretty good metrics on projects that I've worked on so that I can answer questions like this. Um, I tell my clients to expect plus or minus 60 days from when I begin designing. Now, usually that very first meeting that we have, that might actually take place anywhere from two to four weeks before I begin the design on their project, depending on the the workload I have in front of me. And so um, that being said, I I pulled my metrics from 2019, and the average length of time I spent on my projects was 89 calendar days. Um, So it's a little bit longer than that. But, um, one of those projects actually spanned 11 months. Okay. I I think that threw off my average a little bit. So I I would say plus or minus 60 days from the first time I pull up your, your, uh, before I start designing until I'm handing you construction documents. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'd say I would have to agree with that. And that's
0: a great piece of advice for anybody that's looking to hire a designer, architect, even builders out there. Like it's even if you're flying through the changes and you're doing three revisions and getting everything turned within a a week or two, like it just adds up. You take two weeks for the first revision and then it's a husband and wife and they look at it and they're, you know, five business days before you can actually schedule the second call. And then all this stuff just kind of falls on top of each other. And so, yeah, I would say like plan for two months if if you're you're ready to make decisions and it can be longer.
1: Um, Yeah. Do you, uh, one of my things is you are, you've got more than a year under your belt now as a freelance individual. And so one of the patterns that I found, and maybe you did as well is I would often start fielding phone calls in like February and March of people saying, Hey, we really want to build a house this summer. And I would always reply back, well, you should have called last fall. Um, hopefully I've established enough rapport with them that that wasn't totally like the jerk thing to say, but, um, But it's true because it's, you know, by the time it takes us as designers to put the product together, um, hopefully they're vetting builders at that same time, but frankly, they can't even do that a hundred percent until they've got plans in hand, let alone having numbers put behind that plan. Um, you know, you can expect the better part of four to six months just in that beginning planning stage, um, So, yeah, to your listeners, if you want to build a house, uh, be moving in before the kids go to school in the fall, you better start talking to um, the people that you want to be part of your process a solid 12 months before you want to be doing that.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great time to start. Even like a sneaky secret in the building industry is that like that very last week of the year between Christmas and New Year's is a great time for sales um, because everybody's bored out of their minds. Um, They've all got time off. (laughs) And like, it's a great time to start designing if you really do want to build in the summer, like mm-hmm. you gotta get, get going. Um, yep. so yeah, that's a, that's a um, neat piece of advice. Um, lastly, what do you include with your construction docs
1: or bid set? What, yep. what, what should a client look for? What's a good set? Yeah, so that builder set of construction documents I alluded to earlier, pretty straightforward for me. Um, I'm just going to rattle off my bullet points that I wrote down in here to make sure I'm not missing anything. Um, it's going to be a simple basement foundation plan, um, which doubles as the the footer excavation plan as well. Um, if you've got occupied living space down there, that will be included there. Um, here in the Midwest where I'm at rare are the crawl space or slabs. So I'm on occasion have done those, but we just typically plan on, on full basement. Um, For those above grade plans again main floor plan second floor plan um, the exterior elevations that we've talked about um, all of those will be fully dimensioned noted um, to the extent that a general contractor is going to look for information but uh, probably to say it as plainly as possible nothing's going overboard there you know i'm going to call out what's a good example four inch corner board on your exterior elevations well Depending on where your budget's at, that might be Miratech, that might be vinyl, that might be boral. I'm not going to say what that material is so that the builder who's pricing it has the ability to, um, to figure that out with the individual client and their specs. Um, mm-hmm. So after elevations, um, what do I have here? Oh, roof plan. Excuse me. And I do a fairly unique roof plan. Um, I've seen by these. The
0: They're awesome. By yeah. the way.
1: <laughs> Thank you. It, yeah. And I say it's a roof plan. I should also make the note for my um, floor plans and roof plan. They're not framing plans. Like I'm not calling out what your joist layout is, where specific beams or engineered lumber is going to be. My roof plan um, it's done so that it's, it's evident where your slopes are, where your valleys are. Um, and then I overlay that over all of the subsequent plans below it. Um, I've yanked off all the dimensions, all the notes, but effectively it's an easy way to see how, um, structural components are going to lot, uh, work out through the house. So you're going to see yeah. where all of your load bearing points can be um, since those aren't specifics that get into the plan. So um, yeah. I've got those roof plans. Um, oh, quick
0: I- note for the, On the roof plan for the listeners yeah. um, where John and I usually design roofs are usually stick built. So yes. carrying the point loads and interior loads down through the second floor and first floor is huge. So that's why John includes those.
1: Yeah. Thanks for making that note. I appreciate that. Um, I'm doing air quotes right now for the listeners, generic, um, sections and details. Um, and I say they're generic because again, going back to the, trying to provide just the amount of information you or a builder is going to need to get these plans through permitting, um, yet not taking up tons of time to get through it. So, um, that's going to be a generic wall section. Um, maybe a cross section of the entire house every once in a while I'll include some home specific details to those if they're unique, but you know that's a, a great tool that I've got the, uh, the, the template that sits there, copy paste on every single house and that gets it through permitting. Um, I am a generic door and window schedule guy. Um, this goes back to giving the freedom to the builder to work with the clients to price out what fits within their budget. Um, so I'm not gonna call out who your window manufacturer is um, unless we've prearranged it, that's going to be, um, yeah. and then I do just ha- always include a, a general construction notes and that's going to be the, the disclaimer, you know, the legal ease that needs to be in there about working with my product. Um, but then trying to make sure I'm not just saying the basics like, Oh, it's always going to be an eight inch foundation. Um, it will be some of those basics, but there's going to be some unique stuff to your house as well. So I hope the builder always looks at those, but it's not guaranteed. Yeah. Did you say electrical plans? I didn't. So that's actually, you know, I, I made a little note here to say this. What I don't include is um, I don't include any engineering, as I said. So that's not required in the market where I'm at. And so I've never needed to do that. And again, it gives the freedom to a, a general contractor to choose. Are they going to use a steel beam? Are they going to use engineered lumber? Are they going to use dimensional lumber? Um, but also, I don't do any mechanical plans. Um, I make that available um, from an electrical plan standpoint. But the way it worked out for me, Adam, with the builders that were um, routinely would turn to me, it was just one of those things that they were like, hey, you don't need to do that because we're just going to walk through the clients in the house. You know, We're going we're gonna to mark up yeah, the right. house with a Sharpie marker to code, and then we're going to actually do a walkthrough with the client. And if they want anything beyond code, we're just going to mark it physically on the house, the, the sticks of the house. Um, yeah. So I said, great, Um, again, it was one of those things I could do and made it available as an option, but was rarely taken up on that. Um, That goes to even what you do, and I don't, um, some 3D rendering, as I said, some of those custom sections and details. Those were all things that every once in a while, but it was not part of what my typical construction document package would be,
0: so. Yeah, uh, and I think too, one note here, like John and I both really, I think we prefer to have the builder involved early. I think it's better Absolutely, for Absolutely, uh, yes. I think it just leads to a better build. And part of it is like, when you're drawing a floor plan, you're like, it's like language. You're like, it's instructions, you know? And so if you're, if you're speaking a language outside of that builder's normal builder um, <laughs> it's, it's gonna get confusing. It could get expensive, even if you're saying the exact same thing. Um, I can't think of a great example right now, but if you call one thing, one set of nomenclature to one builder, and then you put a different set of nomenclature to that same builder. Like their subs can freak out because they don't know what that word means, but really it's the exact same thing. And it's another phone call, another headache. Um, so that's why we do rely a lot on builders um, for some of these bits of information. Do uh, you have any other thoughts there,
1: John? No, that's absolutely wholeheartedly agree from the beginning. If you, as a, someone looking to build a house, can assemble your team and have them together from the beginning, it comes with a little bit of headache because frankly, we as designers sometimes get grumbly about builders and builders more often get grumbly about designers and architects. However, we're at least at the table together. We're moving towards um, with you as the individual who's building this house, your input, it's gonna serve everybody best all along. So um, yeah, do it, Get, get everybody at the table together. Totally. Awesome, John. Thanks so much for
0: joining me today. That's all I got. Um, Yeah, my pleasure. Um, Where can people find you? What are you up to these
1: days? Yeah, so you can find me. I exist only on Instagram. It's the only social media handle I have. And I am underscore Third Coast Design Co. So third is spelled out T-H-I-R-D. And I'll Um, put that in the show notes. Oh, beautiful. And then as far as what I'm up to, you know, we were joking earlier. Yeah, I'm working for the man. I've got a regular nine to five these days. Um, I dabble a little bit. I still have some carryover clients from when I was living down in Indiana, wrapping up some projects and a couple new things that are getting thrown my way. But man, if you're in West Michigan and listening to this and you want to build a, uh, a new house and following some really cool building science principles, let's talk. I'm in, man. Let's do it. Yeah. For sure. John, thanks so much for being here. And uh, yeah, I appreciate your time. Absolutely, Adam. And it's fun doing life with you, even though it's from a distance. And uh, I love what you've got going on with the podcast. So thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Anytime. That wraps it up
0: with John. Um, Thanks so much for all of you that listen. If you have a question for the podcast or would like to reach out, I am Adam Steiner. You can find me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. The best way is um, to search Burnham Design Co. B-I-R-N-A-M Design Co. on any one of those platforms. And yeah, tune back in on Thursday for another great episode. Thanks as always to Andrew Michael Metter for the music.